I wanted to talk about the video that I put out last week or we put out last week about uh, the game changer video talking about how the internet, how Starlink is changing super yachts. And there's an all, if, you, if you go through the comments of that video, it's really interesting actually to read some of the comments. I mean, there's, there's always a mixed bag of, of comments in any video, um, ranging from people correcting tiny little mistakes that it's, it's quite actually quite annoying when you make a whole video like that and people just pick up on one little thing and, and then they just focus on that as if to show them it's to show how they know more than you about a subject or something like that. Um, then you get, you know, a lot of mostly very complimentary, uh, comments, which is very nice. But what, what, stu what stood out the most to me was some of the comments from people who were using Starlink to comment on the video and, and their location where they were. Uh, and, and that's what, a couple of things that I wanted to go on to. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of comments out in a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, one of the questions that came up in the comments that I thought I would touch on, because I didn't really touch on in that video, was about watching television. Um, because it's the way, we, the way we watch television on yachts now, that's changed as well. Because if you've got a uh, cable TV, if you're, if you're, I don't know where you, where you live, obviously, if you're in the US, cable is predominantly the choice that people use to watch, uh, cable television, right? In the UK, it's more um, sky through. Traditionally, it was through a satellite dish. Uh, people have a satellite dish on the side of the house, and they would and they would have a box, and then would watch their cable television through that satellite system, right? Um, but now it's even that's changing now in the UK. I don't know about in the US. I haven't lived in the US for a long time. Uh, the way that you can watch Sky now is you can simply down put an app onto your onto your Roku or onto your Apple TV, or you can even get a Now TV box, plug that into your internet, and you can watch um, Sky TV, which is the monopoly of, of cable television. Sorry, I've got to stop doing that. It's the monopoly of cable television in the UK is Sky Television. Uh, and that is happened. that's happened on yachts now as well. When when I showed the, the uh, B-roll of the yachts, Especially, there was one particular yacht I used quite a lot in that video, and it was Flying Fox. And they've got, and the reason why I showed that video, that that yacht, is because it's got so many uh, VSAT antennas, or it's got so many antennas, satellite antennas, on on the yacht that it really sort of emphasizes the point that I'm trying to make. Having said that, in that shot, uh, most of those satellite antennas are television antennas. So if you if you see, I'll put the shot on screen while I talk. But if you see that shot. There's four giant antennas. They're 3.4 meter um, parabolic antennas, and right at the very top of the mast, there's a small. It look what looks small. That's like a 1.2 meter in diameter or across uh, antenna. That's the VSAT antenna. That's actually the internet antenna is right at the top of the mast. The one that looks tiny, but those other ones, those big ones there, that the, those 3.4 meter ones, they're actually for television, and they're pairs. So think about those. Don't think about them as four antennas. Think about them as two pairs. And the reason why they're in pairs is because the the, the mast is, is higher. If there's anything higher than the antenna on the ship, then you have to have two because at some point as the ship turns and the satellite's in space and the antenna's pointing up like that, and as the ship turns, if anything gets in between the antenna and the satellite, then it creates blockage and then you lose your signal, right? So we have two. And then we program, we have a box that programs 
uh, that understands where where they are in relation to the satellite, and then and we program in the degrees of 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 uh, blockage that they have, so that the the block the box automatically switches between port and starboard antennas. So that's the reason why there's two. And on there on on Flying Fox, there's four. So there's two pairs, two forward and two aft. Um, and they're all for television, right? Well, the problem with satellite television is, um, and and you you don't realize this when you live if you have it in like if you live in the US or if you live in the UK, you never move, right? Your your house is never moving. So if you move around the UK, you still get, you're still in the footprint of that satellite. But it, when you go out of the UK, if you go to Europe, you can still pick up Sky Television to a point in Europe because the footprint is still there. But if you go f like down to Italy, then you lose the ability to see it because they, they are only covering the UK, right? They have no um, license to actually broadcast it in Europe. So they they um, so you lose that. And that's and there's no reason for them to broadcast it in Europe because it's it's designed for the British market. And it's the same in the US. If you've got you've got satellite television in the US, then they're only going to cover the US, right? So once you go out of that footprint, you lose the signal. Now, if you think about a yacht and you're traveling all around the world, when you're in uh, in North America, you can well, this is what we used to do on 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 the yachts is we'd have a load of boxes like 30 boxes on a big yacht. Uh, we'd have uh, 30 boxes. I can't remember the name of the system now in the in the US, but we'd have all of these boxes. And then we, in the, in Europe, we'd have the sky boxes and we'd have um, different LMBs for those satellite uh, TVROs. We call them television receive only antennas, those big 3.4 meters. They're not VSATs. They're, they only receive signals. They have no transmission ability. You can make them into a, a, a VSAT, but they're TVROs, television receive only. We changed the LMB to the frequency. And then so as we crossed over into the US, we would switch out all the boxes and switch out the LMBs. And we then we would pick up the US television, right? And then when we went back to the med, because uh, in the med, you, you could get Sky Television depending on where you were. Um, and we would switch over all those boxes back to the Sky Television boxes. And that was something that we used to do. And, and the reason why we had 30 of them is because we had, um, you know, if you had a lot of cabins, each cabin needs a separate box. So, and and on some of the yachts I worked on, they had this system whereby you could switch on the TV and you could see 16 small windows. And, and then in each window, there was a different feed. So you could set this main window to uh, have 16 different channels. So the so the owner could turn on the TV and he could see what's happening on sixteen different channels, and then he could cycle with his remote between them, and then the audio would switch, so he could watch different things, right? So if he, let's say he's into stocks, he's got all his stuff on, or if he's into the news, he's got all his news stuff on, and he can switch between them. So to do that, sixteen things you needed sixteen boxes for each channel. Um, now with the advent of uh, Starlink. Well, even before Starlink, what we started to do was if you bought uh, the the satellite boxes in the US, you could also stream it over the internet, right? They gave you the option to be able to stream it as well as have the box. So what we were doing is we were buying the boxes and we were registering them to, uh, this is the difficult part, we had to register them to uh, an address in the US. So we, we would use various different addresses for various different reasons. 
Um, I don't want to get into that, but we'd use the different addresses to register the boxes. And then we wouldn't even install the boxes. We started to stream them just by accessing it over the internet. And the benefits of that is, is that the owner could watch those boxes or watch those, he could watch the US satellite television anywhere in the world. Whereas before he could only watch it when he was in North America or in the Caribbean. So that's the, that, that is how it's changed. So, so now he could watch, you know, ESPN in South Africa or in Japan or wherever, you know, think about a place and he could watch that television there. As long as he had an internet connection, he could watch the TV. The problem with that is, uh, is the bandwidth of the internet, right? So if he's watching television, he's streaming, um, you know, high definition television, he's using probably two megs, two to three megs of his internet connection. And it didn't take very much to interrupt that feed and it would start to, you start to get that buffering. Now we've got uh, Starlink and we've got, you know, 200 megabits per second that those days are gone. So the reason why I'm, it's a roundabout way of getting back to the point that those giant antennas on top of, you know, pick a, a yacht, Flying Fox, Crescent, Shaharasad, uh, Luminance just come out, Nord, they've all got those giant uh, antennas on the top of that, of those ships, right? Of, of those yachts. And they're all really redundant now. They don't need them. In fact, it's a, it's a substandard system. If, if you compare, like, let's, let's take Nord, for example. That's a Russian boat. Well, so is Flying Fox, but we'll take Nord, for example. That's a Russian boat. So the owner probably wants to watch Russian television, right? And it's exa exactly the same thing for him. He needs to uh, watch Russian television so that antennas are pointing at a satellite that carries Russian television. But once we go out of that footprint, we lose the television. Whereas now, if they offer that same system, I don't know if they do, I haven't worked on a Russian yacht for a long time, then you can just stream it over the internet and he can watch it wherever he wants. So it's, it, it, it's that freedom has been added. So, so those giant antennas, and they're massively expensive, as I've mentioned, are really not needed anymore, as long as you've got fast internet. And also, the other, the other problem was, is that even though they could stream uh, these t television channels because of the bandwidth, you could only have one or two per people doing it. So we, we would have to restrict each guest cabin. We'd have to restrict, because most guest cabins on yachts now have Apple television. We'd have to restrict them so they couldn't stream. So, cause we didn't want to, we didn't want to piss off the boss. Right. So we would have to um, restrict them for that reason, but now we wouldn't have to do that anymore. So that's a, there's a real change that's come. Uh, you know, this is a, a lot of information that I can't really get into those videos um, because I'm, I'm always worried about the amount of time it's going to take. I already got some comments in that video saying that it was there was four minutes of information in a 15-minute video. There was only one comment, but it's kind of annoying because obviously the video is meant to be entertaining as well. Um, but there is an awful lot more to it than what I put in that video for that reason. I don't want to get... I don't want to go down into the weeds of all of the technical sides of it because it will turn people off. And and that video, when when we try to make these videos, we always say, well, let's keep it simple so people who are not te technically minded can understand. And then we always get the technical people complaining that it's it's too dumbed down, you know? And um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a fine line that we have to tread, but we always want to make it so people who have no knowledge or 
perhaps even interest in it will find it interesting. There's a great quote from Elon Musk. He says, be clear, not clever. Avoid nonsense words and technical jargon. It slows down communication. Don't try to sound smart. Be efficient. Another thing that came up a lot in the comments, if you look in the comments of that video, is about Elon Musk. And about, um, I saw one comment saying, uh, don't give Elon Musk any more importance than he already has or something like this. And this is to do with politics, right? I mean, he's become quite divisive in the US. If you're from the US, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. I do, I do catch some of the US news occasionally, uh, especially when I'm over that side of the world. And I can see that he's recently sort of changed sides, if you like. And the thing is, uh, the point is, the reason why I brought this up is because I don't get involved in politics, um, you know, on the channel. That's not what I want it to be about. I'm not a politician. I'm not, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I have interest in politics to a point, but it's not where I want to go. I, I don't care if Elon Musk is uh, crazy or whatever. The fact is, he's a brilliant, he has a brilliant mind, and he's invented some of the most amazing things you know he, i mean he's basically in, invented the whole industry of of electric vehicles and um whether he invented it or not but he's actually you know he's he pushed it to the point that it's at now and he's created these amazing rockets that can land themselves the boosters nasa couldn't even do that nasa use his rockets now and and then and you've got the starling system which is incredible as well so regardless of what he thinks i mean I do, I do often wonder why he posts on Twitter so much and why he gets into that stuff with people on Twitter. I don't understand it really. Um, I, I don't read it. I, I, I don't subscribe to Elon Musk feed. I used to, but I just, I, 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 I kid the disc, uh, what, what do you call it? Unfollowed him because I just not interested in that kind of stuff. If I follow Elon Musk, it's because I want to know about his technical stuff, not about his political stances. It's the same with anyone. If I follow, like I, I recently unfollowed a, a racing driver because he was talking about British politics, a British racing driver. And, and I know they're people in themselves, but if they have, if they're famous for being a racing driver, then they're, in my opinion, their feed should be about racing driving, right? About race, racing. Uh, if they want to talk, if it, maybe they should have two, a persona and then their personal one, right? They should have, you know, the guy I was talking about, he's a, he's a famous British touring car championship uh, driver. And I watch him when I go to races uh, locally. And, I, you know, I, I, I follow him because I want to know about his... I want to know what he thinks about racing, about Formula One, about stuff like that. I don't want to know about his politics. So maybe he should have the, the, the racing driver and then personal private thoughts, you know? That's the way I look at it. Because uh, I, I don't post my... I don't use my Twitter feed or any of my feeds to post my personal opinions about stuff. Because I, I, I thought, I thought, unless it's about the subject, right? Super yachts. One of the things my sister says is that she can't stand Tom Cruise. She can't watch any Tom Cruise movies because of his Scientology connections uh, and the way he talks in interviews on television. But I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise. I, I, I've met Tom Cruise. Um, he was very, very, uh, very polite. He wasn't. Um, he didn't look down on me at all, you know. Uh, I was uh, I was in the military at the time, and uh, I he was you know, scouting for um, Eyes Wide Shut the movie, and I I worked in a place where they were going to film, but I was in it was on a military base, 
and um and i met him and he was brilliant you know he was very polite he talked to me i asked him about how they did something in mission impossible how they, they did the bit on the train because to me at the time it looked like it was real and he explained how they did it and they used this giant um like a giant fan that they you know the i, I know you've ever seen that sport where people jump and they just hover over this giant fan and they wear those skydiving suits and they hover and it's how they practice he said they use one of those and they turned it on its side and then they put him on top on in the studio on top of a train roof and then that was the how the wind was blowing and stuff like that so he, he told me all this just but you know when i met him and he was he was a thoroughly enthusiastic polite guy and you know whether or not i believe or whether or not i agree with his opinions about religion or politics is irrelevant to me because i think he's a great action star and i just think i watch him because he's tom cruise right uh i don't i try to disconnect those two things so going going back round to um starlink and elon musk i don't look at starlink as oh it's it's something about elon musk because i'm not politically minded in that way and i don't care what he says on twitter I, all i care about is that he's he's created something that is changing the way we do things at sea and he's making our lives better regardless of how those people look at it he's making our lives better as crew because now we get to watch netflix at sea which we never ever got before like i i, I mentioned in the video what we do what we what i would do because i was i'm in charge of that uh, is we would uh have we have a web filter and we'd have to block netflix youtube anything that has video streaming on it we'd have to block it and it was very complex uh, to to do this, especially uh, especially YouTube, because it's it's very tricky to block specific um, things from working like that streaming services. Uh, and it was a constant thing that we'd have to fight to try and block it, because you can't say to the crew, "Don't watch YouTube," because they'd all watch it and or streaming podcasts or whatever. They they all do it. It's all part of our lives now, right? So just telling them not to do it, it doesn't work. You have to physically prevent them from being able to do it. Otherwise, they'll just do it. Um, so I had a, 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 this was going back to 2015. I was on a, a yacht in Germany in a dry dock. And we had this big problem with our internet. We couldn't, we had no bandwidth, right? And I traced it to one of the second officers on the bridge. He had his laptop connected to the internet and it was downloading updates for some game that he was playing on his laptop and it was it downloaded like 12 megs 12 gigs of data and it would it completely uh we'd completely gone to a, a halt the system was completely blocked by his laptop so we prevented everybody on board from using the internet so i actually blocked his computer for a week i blocked his internet access for a week as a punishment and he, he got really mad at me but I, I just said well take it to the captain then because he's the one who told me to do it um and that's the way we had to work right and you, now that you've got starlink it's the, the the system is so fast you're gonna really obviously people are going to get used to it very quickly and then they're going to start to really demand more from it and it, you're probably going to still get these issues uh in the future but that's because, but you know, and there probably still will need to be some sort of restrictions on it, especially when the owner's on board, because the last thing we want is the owner to be complaining. But one of the things that we still have on board is we're still using cellular data as well, because Starlink isn't infallible. And I said in, in the video, you know, when it works, uh, it's brilliant and it doesn't always work brilliantly. And it has some of the, the same uh, fall, fall back, not fallbacks. It has some of the same issues that 
the cellular system has. If you've ever been to a concert or a football game or or even a shopping mall, maybe, when you, or a racing track, I we, I get this when I go to a racing track. There's so many people in this in in that area. You have forty thousand people at a racetrack, hundred thousand people. Then your cellular data it basically stops working, and this is because there's so many people in that area that the cell phone towers can't handle all of that the requests that they're getting, and it just it just overloads the system, the bottleneck on it, and then it stops working. If you've ever been in that situation, that's the reason why you might be in a shopping mall. But if you think about it, in that shopping mall, there's only one or two towers, maybe three towers, covering that mall. And if you've got 40,000 people in there all using their data, it just they can't handle all of those requests, so it just stops working. And this is the problem that Starlink is going to have. Um, I saw a comment from someone saying this, that they were in a marina and every yacht in the marina had Starlink. And as a result, they were only getting one or two mega, megabits per second download speed uh, because they're all, they're all um, you know, trying to use the same s small area of satellites and, and the satellites are struggling to to supply the amount of information that those people are all requesting. And that's going to improve as well because, that, like I said in the video, they're still launching more satellites to to for this reason. This is one of the reasons why that their the, their plan is to eventually have thirty, forty thousand satellites, whereas at the moment they've got between four and six thousand satellites. So they've only got a fraction of the satellites they're going to have eventually. Um, so it is exciting. It's exciting times for the maritime industry, especially cargo ships and stuff like that. They've really suffered because. We work, as, as we work on yachts, we always have the best equipment, right? The owner's quite happy to pay for that, whereas on a cargo ship uh, or a tanker, th those companies are not willing to pay, you know, $100,000 uh, to buy two Visa antennas. Um, so it's a big game changer. That, that, that's, you know, I can't overstate that. So anyway, uh, I got a, before I go, I've got a few uh, comments that I picked out from the comments section of the YouTube video. And um, I got one here, he says, I just got off a cruise to Antarctica. A year ago, I would have been off grid until I returned to Ushuaia in Argentina, but I was posting pictures and videos live and watching YouTube and Netflix. It worked flawlessly. Six flat dishes was enough for everyone. That, that's a brilliant comment. Uh, the first thing he said is, well, the last thing he said is the first thing I'm going to talk about. He says six flat dishes was enough for everyone. So they got six dishes on board. Now that's, they've got three uh, separate systems there um, because they, on the maritime system, there's two antennas and there's no reason for this. This is a thing that Elon Musk is selling. He's, he's making it, uh, you have to buy it in pairs and then, and then it works in pairs. There's no reason you don't need pairs because I know, uh, on, on our yacht, we had an RV antenna before the Maritime version came out and it worked perfectly. Never had a problem with it. Even we used it, even used it at sea and it worked. They've, they've, they've blocked it now. They've geo blocked them from being used at sea, the RV ones. But, um, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter, but they, they sell them in pairs. So when he says he's got six flat dishes, that's actually three systems they've got. So what they're doing is they're load balancing it. So they're taking, three systems and then they and then they're taking the bandwidth from that so they so they instead of having whatever it is 400 megabits per second so let's say 200 megabits per second at the moment they're going to have 600 megabits per second because they've got three different systems on board uh, re redundant systems right 
Um, so that's what he's talking about there. And that's enough for the whole cruise ship. Now, the VSAT system never worked in the Antarctic. I've been to the Antarctic on cruise ships and I've been on yachts and the VSAT system doesn't work. And it's not designed to work in those areas because the satellite antennas are all sitting on the equator. So if you think about it from that point of view, the further away from the equator you go, whether it be north or south, the weaker your signal gets. And that's why you need bigger and bigger antennas uh, if you go on further afield. So if you if you had a 3.4 meter antenna and you're pointing at that, at that satellite on the equator, you can keep that signal further south you go. But even in the Antarctic, you won't have a signal. We uh, I was on a I was on a cruise ship when we went up to um, um, Svalbard, I think it was uh, up in Norway. We were heading up to the Arctic Circle on a cruise ship. And I had, we still had internet, but I had five degrees of elevation, five degrees of elevation on my, on my visa antenna. Um, and we, you know, we, we were almost off out of the signal. Normally it's like 35 degrees, the, 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 uh, satellite antenna signal, but we were on five degrees, which is almost vertical, uh, almost horizontal, should I say. And, um, we were still heading north. And I was telling the captain, we're going to lose any minute now. I said, and if you make it, if you make a course, uh, course change and, and we, and the satellite gets, uh, the funnel gets in the way, we, it's all over. We've lost the internet. Um, and, and, um, yeah, so we got all the way up there really far north. I don't remember what the, how far north there is. You can look on Google maps, but, um, and then we got, um, one of the passengers got sick and we had to turn around and, uh, and head back because we he needed to be picked up by a helicopter. And um, so we had to turn around and go back. So we, we never lost our internet. But can you imagine if we'd lost our internet and then that person that got sick, we wouldn't have been able to call uh, for assistance. I mean, we had doctors on board and stuff like that because it was a cruise ship. But um, yeah, it, it was it was an interesting story anyway. But that's the that's that. He says, I just got off a cruise ship to Antarctica uh, and I would have been off grid. And like I said, um, when you went that far south, you lost the signal completely. So you would only... The, the sat the even the um even the imarsat system which is the system that we would use for emergencies only even that uh doesn't work in the antarctic or the arctic if you go 70 degrees south 70 degrees past uh, the i'll put a i'll put a thing on the, on the screen which shows you the coverage map and you can see that the antarctic and the arctic is blocked out 70 degrees south or 70 degrees north and you lose the signal completely Whereas Starlink doesn't have that problem, and they cover in those areas just as well. So you think about all of those um, researchers and stuff that live in the Arctic or in the Antarctic for months on end. They've now got they can now watch Netflix and stuff, which they would never would have been able to do before. Um, and then I've got another one here. I currently have family members on a world cruise, and they are in phone contact daily via WhatsApp. Incredible clarity again, you know. The, the, the systems that we had on the on the cruise ships was the same VSAT systems. They had more bandwidth. Uh, well, they had they didn't have more bandwidth really, but they had an, enough bandwidth that you could send text messages right via email, email te uh, text, and stuff like that. And that was as much as you could get. And now people are making phone calls and sort of WhatsApp, FaceTime, and all that kind of stuff, which is it's, it's complete game changer. That's a, that's why. I, I don't like the phrase game changer. I actually edited out the bit in the video where I said that I don't like it just to shorten the video. Um, but it is a game changer for these reasons, you know? Um, and then I got another one, another comment saying commenting from Antarctica on a ship. Thanks to Starlink. Uh, again, absolutely amazing. 
and that they're able to to do that you know that they're, they're able to those people have probably been to antarctic before and they they knew what it was like in previous times um like i said i've been down there on the on the cruise ships and we just that was it we just lost the signal and that was it and, it, and then when we headed back north at the end of the trip we, we're going across the drake passage then we got the signal back so yeah absolute game changer there's a lot more comments as well um you have to sort of filter through them um but it was really interesting to read those comments from people and i, I wanted to bring you more in-depth uh, information about what it's like um that what how different it is now on yachts and on all ships because of starlink what a change they've made to the industry uh so anyway i'm gonna wrap up here i've gone on for 30 minutes unbelievably um but i hope this was interesting i haven't used an awful lot of b-roll in this because I, I want to try and keep it shorter for uh the reasons that i said that I, so i can make more videos like this in the future and also like i said I'm, I'm i'm thinking about the idea of making a podcast where i can talk i can ramble on like this for you know 30 to 40 minutes um because my one thing my uh my wife always says is that you know it's amazing like you can come up with a subject and then you can just talk non-stop about it for 20 to 30 minutes uh and uh, yeah i can do that so um i hope you've enjoyed this video let me know what you think in the comments and uh, yeah, we'll talk about it down there. And if you didn't see the original video that brought on this whole topic, um, stick around. For those of you who are watching on Spotify or listening on other podcasts, we're going to play that video for you now. Obviously, if you're on, the, if you're only listening to it, you'd only be able to listen to it. But the information is still good. But if you're watching it on Spotify, then just stick around. It's about 10, 15 minute long video. Anyway, apart from that, I hope you've enjoyed this video. And uh, yeah. Thanks for watching and, uh, and I'll catch up with you soon. So one of the biggest changes to come to super yachts and for that matter, all maritime vessels is now here. And we've talked about it in the past in previous iterations and states of readiness, but it's now here fully operational and it's a game changer. So what am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about Starlink satellite internet. Now if we go back uh, just 18 months, two years, and the technology on board a yacht was quite different in terms of internet. Now on land, we've been used to streaming TV and YouTube and Netflix for years now on our phones while we're traveling to work on a bus or waiting at the airport, etc. But on a yacht, it was very different. Despite yachts having the very best AV equipment available, the one thing that was hard to overcome were the limitations of the speed of the internet. And when I say best equipment, I've done installations on yachts where the budget for the audiovisual AV equipment has been over a million dollars. Now, I showed you a boat recently that had a $700,000 TV on the bow. The limitations of the connection on board, what do I mean by that? Obviously, we're talking about VSAT satellite internet. This is what was all yachts used before Starlink came along. Uh, so this meant that streaming of something over the internet was reserved for one or two people, you know, the owner and the guest maybe. Anyone else tried to do it at the same time, 
that they were going to struggle and start getting a lot of buffering. Limits on the bandwidth for crew and web filters to block streaming sites like Netflix and YouTube, etc., would be applied to prevent the owner being upset, not being able to use the internet. So there were very often occasions when the owner is on board a yacht that the, in the internet would be switched off completely for the crew. Now this was despite the massive cost of installing VSAT satellite antennas on board a yacht. Uh, a pair of VSAT domes coming anywhere up to half a million dollars. And the monthly cost of the VSAT service from your internet provider was thousands of dollars a month also. So if we couldn't stream on board a yacht, before stalling, what did we do? Well, the AV systems consisted of devices to store databases of movies, such as the Kaleidoscape system. This was a very popular system on board Super Yachts. It still is on board Super Yachts, but they had a monopoly for a long time. And this system would import a DVD. You remember those DVDs? They would import the entire contents of a DVD, menus and all, onto a hard drive so you could access them in any cabin or place that has a TV. So if you're out on the bow section, you could connect and you could watch a movie that you've just purchased. You know, you've just downloaded it into this system and now you're watching it anywhere on board without the DVD needing to be present. And this technology had, like I said, a monopoly for years on board. It was extremely expensive. However, that company, Kaleidoscape, was uh, sued by multiple movie companies saying that the fact that they were effectively ripping or downloading the contents of the DVD and the disc was no longer needed was basically pirating. So they had to change this system and add these vaults to hold the DVDs in them so the playback could be possible legally from a legal perspective. Uh, the equipment was massively expensive. Vaults cost thousands of dollars and one vault could only hold about 300 DVDs. So some vessels I worked on had two or three of these vaults uh, installed into these massive server racks. Now another popular choice was, and still is, Plex, which is effectively the same kind of system. Videos are ripped onto a hard drive and then you can be played from all around the yacht. Now the reason why they were using these is because you couldn't stream anything over the internet. So we had to have everything installed locally on servers on board. Now, the highest bandwidth speeds available when I started in the industry was probably one megabits per second. That was in the cruise ship industry. By the time I got to the yachts, it was probably 10 megabits per second, which was massively expensive, but it had a very high latency. This was the biggest issue with VSAT. A simple explanation for this is the time a request takes to get from your device to the source and back again. So as an example, if you typed into Google search a question and then you hit send, the latency is the time it takes to go from your device up to the satellite, down onto the internet to Google, find the answer, and then go back along that same route back to your device. Now the average latency on a VSAT satellite connection is about 600 milliseconds. So that's just over half a second, which on when you think about it, it actually sounds quite fast, right? However, if you compare that latency to a land connection, which is around 30 milliseconds compared to 600 milliseconds, then you start to see the difference in speed. Now, because of the poor latency, even if you had a 20 megabits per second connection, it still felt slow compared to a land-based system because of that latency. And why was it like this? It's because of the distance the satellite is from the Earth. A VSAT satellite sits in a geostationary orbit about 36,000 kilometers from the Earth. 
so it takes some time to get up there and back down to the planet. Now enter Starlink, the revolutionary system. It means that geostationary satellites sitting up there at 36,000 kilometers are becoming a thing of the past. Elon Musk's satellites are a mere 400 kilometers compared to 36,000 kilometers above the planet, which means the time it takes to send data or latency is much lower. Well, how does it get around this? Well, the VSAT might have one satellite covering an entire ocean area. Uh, Starlink has hundreds or even thousands of satellites all talking to each other, covering that same area. One of the drawbacks of the VSAT system was the limitations on certain areas around the world because of the position of the satellites so far away in space and also the limited bandwidth, they would concentrate beams to the most populated areas. So say the Caribbean or the Mediterranean where most yachts congregate. So if you were in an area that wasn't normally populated by a large amount of vessels, such as during a crossing of an ocean like the Atlantic or the Pacific, then your bandwidth would be massively reduced simply because they couldn't supply what you were paying for in that area. So if you were on a yacht that had a 20 megabit per second connection, during the Atlantic crossing, you'd only be getting about one megabits per second for as long as a week. So on the crossing, the internet was severely compromised and it would be for office use only and the crew would barely get WhatsApp messages. And obviously on a crossing, the owner will not be on board. So it would just be crew. Now, by the way, that 20 megabits per second connection that you were getting on VSAT was 15 to $20,000 a month. A Starlink system doesn't have this issue. And it's because of the way the system works. With, with all these satellites, thousands of satellites in an orbit around the planet, they're effectively moving around in formation covering the entire planet. So wherever you go, you get the same service. Now, a former colleague of mine who is on an Atlantic crossing right now as we speak has Starlink installed on the yacht that he works on and he sent me some speed test results from the last few days of the trip. So the best result, as you can see here, is 160 megabits per second. And even the worst result is still 60 megabits per second, much faster than VSAT on her best day. So we'll go into cost in a minute. Now you can see the latency is also much lower than VSAT. In these speed test results, they are between 159 and 70 milliseconds, which is almost as good as a land-based system. Now Starlink is not done as well. They're still aiming to get that um, uh, the ping time down to under 40 milliseconds, which is you know similar to a land-based connection. And these results are in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So, Let's compare to my service currently where I am, which is the land-based fiber optic cable internet connection. And you can see I've got 104 megabits per second, which is, you know, I pay for 100 megabits per second uh, and I have a ping of 26 milliseconds. Now comparing the two here, uh, comparing my connection to the Starlink connection, there's not that much difference there, uh, which is mind blowing as I did an Atlantic crossing in 2020 and our speed was one megabits per second as I explained earlier. Now I, I had a chat with him about what it's like having Starlink on the crossing. And he said, being able to stream movies mid ocean without buffering is a game changer. There's that phrase again, game changer. And he said, and, and I said, with regard to the VSAT system, are they still using it? Um, he said, well, yes, but we've got a minimal speed so we can make a VoIP call. 
and the idea is to then increase the speed during the boss trip as a backup to the Starlink, just in case they have a failure. You always have redundancy. <laughs> now, of course, you can make VoIP calls on Starlink. The VoIP call he's referring to there is a, connected to the PBX system on board the yacht, and that is a, a number that was given to them by the service provider, which they will have been using for years, and they don't want to lose that number, so they've just got enough speed so they can use that to make calls. So VSAT is on its way out. People will use it as a backup for now. I highly doubt that new yachts being built will continue to install those VSAT antennas. Massively expensive and just not worth the money now that Starlink is the new king. Now, Starlink is still new and they're still launching more satellites. They aim to have, they've got about 6,000 satellites right now, but they're aiming the full system will have over 40,000 satellites. Uh, so the speeds will increase as they get more and more satellites. Now the cost of Starlink on a yacht, uh, the last time I checked, it's about $5,000 to buy two antennas, which is the, the marine version of Starlink, and then it's $5,000 a month. Now it's much more than a home system. I know if you've got one out there or if you've got an RV system, much more expensive, but you can't use the RV system out in the ocean. Uh, and it's still a fraction of the cost of the VSAT system. Like I said, your minimum outlay for two VSAT antennas is probably $80,000. It can go up to half a million. And then you've got that fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month uh, fee for the connection. So the, the costs are massively different. Also, when you compare the two systems, it's completely, it's completely different, isn't it? It's a bit like saying I used to pay $15,000 a month for my Fiat 500, and now I pay $5,000 a month for my Ferrari. And one of the things that always comes up when we do, when we talk about internet on a yacht or TVs on a yacht is the comment, I would never watch TV on a yacht. Why would you want to do that when you have the ocean and you have the weather and you have all the things that you could be doing? I, you know, I, I get that. If I owned a super yacht, the last thing I'd be thinking about doing is watching TV. But you're thinking about it from a point of view of never actually being on a yacht for any length of time. Now, if you've ever been on a cruise, you probably didn't watch TV, right? Because there was so much to do, you know, there was so much to investigate. But now imagine that cruise that you did, maybe it was a week or two weeks. Now imagine you're on, on board that cruise for six months, right? Now there comes a time when you just want to kick back and watch a movie or perhaps, you know, a live sporting event or something like that. And you're going to watch it on TV. And also, whenever I show video footage of a super yacht, it's always really sunny weather. But the reality is it's not always sunny. And there are plenty of times when you're on board a yacht where the weather looks like this. I'll just sum it up by saying that if you own a TV now, then you'll want one on your yacht. And another comment that frequently comes up when we do videos about the internet is, it's kind of the same really. You know, why would you be on the internet if you're on a yacht? You know, I'd rather be scuba diving and swimming and laying out in the sun. Well, again, I understand it. And, and the yacht owners do all of those things, but when they're done in the evening and they sit down, they want to connect to the internet. And our lives are entwined now with being connected. And that doesn't change when you're at sea. And many of these owners, of course, are very uh, successful businessmen and women, and they want to be connected to their systems and look at their stock prices and all that kind of stuff. So they need internet for that. And not only that, it's a requirement now. You can't be out there at sea without an internet connection. Uh, when, when you're talking about commercial vessels, certainly, you know, you have to send customs data to ports. You have to send in a lot of paperwork for uh, docking in various different countries. 
Uh, they download map updates for the digital Ectus navigation systems on the bridge. They download weather updates uh, and maps from weather data providers. And the crew keep informed with what's going on on board with WhatsApp groups. So, you know, it is a necessity now. So the internet revolution is well and truly here. Life at sea will never be the same.